Hello and welcome to In The Game, Qatar's first sports podcast. Today is a very special day and I've got my special t-shirt on. This is a South African shirt I was given. It was a very nice shirt. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here and even especially so since I'm seeing that t-shirt. This was given to me by, um, now I'm terrible with names, I really am, but he's a rugby player and he, he was in the 2016 um, uh, Olympics. And they went Carl Brown, thank you so much indeed. <laughs> he was such a great guest, and he was he was he was just a special guy. He's got that sprinkle dust over him, right? He's a good guy. I was at that actual 2016 Rio Games. No, in fact, and we sat in the pouring rain. I took my kids with me, um, and uh, we we went to see South Africa, um, and it was pouring with rain that day. But we sat and watched them. They won. We were lucky they won that match because the next match they lost. It was. He's just an incredible guy, and he's just so kind of. He's definitely rugby player, and he gave me a T-shirt. That's fantastic. Huh? I was yeah. so proud, and they beat us in the rugby too, right? Two thousand and nineteen World Cup. Thank you very much. <laughs> today is a special day, everybody. Today is a very, very special day. We are privileged that you've come along to join us today, uh, Professor Camilla. It's just wonderful to come in and share your news with you, and it is exciting news, especially for Qatar. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Wow, we'll be a whole day, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll tell you just a, a, a little bit of how, what, actually my journey in terms of being um, coming to Qatar, um, for the love of the game, in the game, loving sport, grew up, with, with sport in South Africa, um, but also in very challenging times during apartheid. Um, so my context of sport will, will, will always would be, would be within that frame. And um, as, a, as a kid, I grew up um, as part of the uh, non-racial movement that used sport as, as a tool to, to bring down apartheid. So um, it was uh, quite a successful uh, platform from that perspective, but it was also something we loved and something we grew up with. So I played sport um, competitively and then decided that this is what I want to study. And I studied sport. I actually come from a sports science background, although I'm in sport management now. But my journey in sport was actually through the sports sciences and um, starting with an interest in exercise physiology and then moving in terms of my master's onto sports psychology. And um, I kind of always wanted to be at the forefront of what was happening, so I was kind of always pushing the boundary. And at that time in South Africa, it was towards the end of um, apartheid. And we never ever thought that we would have an opportunity to bid for the 2004 Olympic Games. And I ended up working on the bid. And that was my foray into management. Um, and also, it was an opportunity for me uh, to really be exposed to how sport could be used to drive tourism. So I became interested in sport tourism. Can I take you back a little bit further? Sure. When you were a young lady, yep. what gave you, what was it that was that thing that says, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? For me, it was just the connection with sport. I, re I remember, in fact, after um, finishing my master's degree and um, the, the person that I worked for in the end uh, in terms of the sports and facilities management department at the Olympic Bid, he asked me, why, why do you want this job? And I said, 
well, I've always wanted to work with elite athletes. And what better platform than an Olympic Games, you know? And so I had that exposure in that I worked with all 28 international sports federations regarding their technical requirements for a bid. So I, I actually got to know about all the technical requirements in terms of competition venues, training venues, uh, for 28, uh, at that stage, 28 international sports federations. Why, and, and this is one thing, why is South Africa so good at sports? Because you've, for your size, <laughs> you've accomplished quite a few big things. I think as a nation growing up, despite being divided by apartheid, it's the, the, one of those few occasions where it does bring us together. And nothing illustrates it more like, as the 1995 Rugby World Cup. Um, and that was kind of the rainbow nation and joining the rainbow. So despite our differences, despite the haves and the haves nots, it brings us together. I think going back, because I'm at an age that I remember that World Cup. And that was special, Nelson Mandela. It was like, and I remember the the big guy, the the captain, and they and were Francois Pinar. I can remember it was such a. It was great for everybody. It was great for everybody in the world. Really. It was even more special. It was my birthday. No. <laughs> Wow, that it was, was amazing. And, and yeah. it has, it's just funny how all these things start to connect, right? Yeah. And, and for me, and as I mentioned, I grew up in the heart of apartheid. I grew up with my father being a school teacher. I, and, and, and the political protest took, part, um, took place at the school. And so we were, very, we were conscientized in terms of what was happening in South Africa. And we were raised in a way that um, that this mattered to us, that we needed to do our bit to fight um, apartheid and fight for freedom. And so I grew up with that spirit. And um, so, so for me, growing up, the Springbok team was a symbol of apartheid. But yet at that time, because Nelson Mandela could make amends in ways that I still struggled with, but it was still a, just a really special day that yeah. day. And that yeah. film was amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. That really was an amazing film. Yeah. Yeah. Did I have a tear with that one? It, it, it's kind of, and you, you said about that sport is a great leveler. Yeah. And I think this is why it's so special in the Middle East, because so many people out there just real, don't realize how good the Middle East is really. It's, it's a, a small minority that there's a problem, but the majority of all the other places are so forward thinking, so kind of thoughtful about their the individuals. They're not just the locals, but also the expats, right? And it's a great leveler here in Qatar. Absolutely, and for me, um, and just linking back to my journey, um, I, I came after sort of the contributions I was making to sport, and especially the 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa, after, um, you know, um, having those experiences, I really just wanted to make a contribution in a different part of the world. And um, um, I stopped over in Dubai and spent two and a half years um, also at a, um, um, a sports uh, program director for a, a master's in sports management. And I could see that, um, you know, that, 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 that sport plays a significant role in the Middle East and um, even more so in terms of where we find ourselves in Qatar today.
you say yeah. that, you, and, and it's good that we're talking about Qatar, but again, we're just going to jump back a little bit with, with all the things yeah. that you've achieved from a, an academic perspective. Yeah. It's like you saying about that you were involved in the Olympics, you've been, been involved in all the other stuff, but you've been leading the way because of all the papers that you've been writing. When did you feel that you had a strength and the book that you co-authored? Oh, you did find some things on me, right? <laughs> it's, it's like, it, but it, it wasn't easy to find, right? You, don't, you, you seem to keep things hidden a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I do my talking with my writing, but also, as you mentioned, in terms of the projects. So I think a highlight for me was the 2010 FIFA World Cup in that, um, and, and also, as I, I, I guess I'm not viewed as a traditional academic, because, um, but in my view, that's the role of an academic. Your work has to have relevance and your work has to be applied. Um, so when I undertook the 2010 research agenda, it was to say, if we are going to be investing, and particularly for a developing country like South Africa, if we are going to be investing so much money into hosting a World Cup, we need to have objective measures uh, to assess what we actually achieved. And so I, 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 I took the mantle and, 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 and I said, we, we need to have a research agenda. And I pushed the research agenda for the 2010 FIFA World Cup. It didn't come together exactly like we wanted to, but it went a far way in terms of developing that knowledge base um, that that the World Cup created an opportunity. So prior to that, almost all the research was in the Western world. And we pushed through the agenda, we contributed um, to knowledge of the hosting of sport mega events in a developing context. And that was a lot of that work stemmed from the, from the, the 2010 research agenda. You didn't have any fear whatsoever back then. It's like the, it, you just took up Olympics, <laughs> World Cup. It's like there was nothing that really faced you. You just kind of powered through. Um, look, the, yeah, I think I think I see the bigger picture, and I and, and and I see the importance and significance of this these events. Of course, there are challenges along the way, and of course, and of course, there's contestation about these events. But I also look at the positive, and I also look at how can we make it better what can we do and from an academic perspective in terms of an objective manner try to evaluate these experiences and that's essentially what we try to do and what does south africa mean to you i don't even think i can answer that question i i i i think it's a shining example of what's possible and this, despite the challenges, you know, like I said, um, I, I was, and I'm going to really share something that may, may take uh, listeners aback, but I, I, a lot of it goes back to my roots and, and how I grew up and how I was raised. Um, but um, I was arrested for the first time when I was 15 years old. And that's not a unique experience, I think, but to people who, who are not familiar with South Africa during apartheid. Um, was, and, and I can tell you the second time I got arrested when I was 15, I'll never forget there was a lawyer. It happened in the evening. Um, and uh, there was a lawyer saying, 
I was looking for a lift home from the police station because no cell phones at that stage could call anybody. I had to find a way home. Um, my, my father and my eldest brother, they were in detention. And at that stage in South Africa, it was detention with, without trial. So they were in detention for almost a year. My, my, my other brother was in exile. My mom, that night I got arrested, my mom and her sister had gotten arrested because they were having a vigil um, to release my, my father and my brother. And the second time I got arrested, two things happened. One was the policeman who said, oh, it's you again. He remembered me from the last time. And the second thing is, the, um, well, it's actually kind of three things, but they linked this, the, the, the next two. So the, um, there was just a UN had just passed a res resolution about arresting children under 16. So they had to let me go. But now I'm being let go and I don't, have, I don't know how to get home because this happened in the evening. It was a visual, vigil in the evening and I didn't know how to get home. And I, I saw this lady and I thought, okay, I'm going to ask her, can you give me a lift to your, to your home and I can get, phone somebody from there. And her lawyer said, what does a 15-year-old, I'll never forget in the call, what does a 15-year-old know about politics? And I'm thinking, I'm not actually going to respond to that because I need a lift home and I need to find my way home. <laughs> but I can tell you, when your father goes to the door, you you'd probably remember similar kinds of experiences in the old days when they had milkmans on carts. Yeah, 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 yeah coming with the I glass bottles. I, I used to yeah. help them make one. <laughs> and early in the morning, my dad went to the door with the milk bottles thinking it's the, uh, the milkman. And it was the special branches of the police coming to arrest him. Um, so a 15-year-old can know a lot about politics. Yeah. 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 And in fact, in when I was the first time in the 76, the 76, I was I was starting school, and I came to school and I said to the teacher, um, "My father was arrested," and she said, "We don't talk about those things." And you know, it was it was it it. That's my reality. That's what happened. But I grew up with a very strong sense of fighting injustice and wanting to make a difference. I was, I'd love to. That's my sense. Make a difference. Make a difference. Make a difference. Yeah. Doesn't matter how small. So all these experiences built you as an individual. This was what drove you on. Absolutely, and it still does. And and so for me, it's about making a difference in a different part of the world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's congratulations. Uh, who was your role models? Who was the ones that stood out for you? Role models, I think, uh, very definitely um, my parents in terms of what they needed to endure. Uh, but as any youngster, I don't know, maybe we'll see any youngster growing up during that time. It 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 was sporting. My heroes were, were, were sporting personalities um, of of all sorts. I I I watched a lot of sport, and um, uh, some of them said, "Oh God, he he must be a terrible um, role model." But one of my favourite players was John McEnroe because he was different. <laughs> yes. He was different. Oh, he, yeah. he threw tantrums. He was aggressive, but he also won. But he, he, was, he was a real person to me, you know. Yeah. But then also in terms of teams, like I said, when I grew up, it's a team that, 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 I pl uh, that, that I followed was the New Zealand rugby team. I think they were in a oh, league. The All, of, Blacks. Yeah. the All Blacks were a league on their own. And 
given my situation in South Africa, the support for the South African team only came much later. later. Yeah. Um, um, but then in terms of women's sports uh, role, role models, you know, I, I, I used to love watching um, gymnastics and I remember athletes like uh, uh, Nadia Comaneci oh, and yeah. Olga Corbett, Olga Corbett <laughs> and then sort of later on really only the South Africans like in the 96 Olympics there was Penny Haynes, um, you know, so it, 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 all the great athletic stars, I, I was just such a big fan, a fan of Formula One as well growing up. So across the board, I, I, all the great sportsmen and women I aspired to, even though I knew I wouldn't get an opportunity as a player, but working within sport, I've been fortunate to go to lots of big events in a different capacity. Yeah. When was it, when was it that you thought to yourself, I'm going to be a professor? I think probably, I think it must have been my experience in the US. So um, when we were bidding for the 2004 games, it was a case of either uh, we were going to win this games and if we win it, I'll stay in South Africa. If we don't, then I would like to pursue my doctorate in sport tourism. As I said, the Olympics exposed me to the potential of South Africa in relation to sports tourism. And so I looked, we lost, we lost to Athens, and I looked at the opportunities, and um, I, I got a, uh, I was uh, fortunate to be offered a, a scholarship in the US, um, and, um, Somehow or other, writing just came easy to me, you know, writing and doing I research. I wish it could come easy to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that experience, um, I thought, um, I think this is what I'm meant to be. So even though when I went back to South Africa, I actually worked at a, a sport and entertainment consultancy, one of the big ones, Octagon. Um, but I think the academia always kind of pulled me back. And after that experience, after working at Octagon, um, and uh, in, in sort of where I was in my life stage, actually, um, uh, in, during that period, uh, pregnant with my first child, I thought I wanted something a little bit more flexible. And uh, at that time in South Africa, we were going through a process of mergers where universities were starting to merge out of the old sort of apartheid structures and I ended up um, going to a university um, that needed to build the research capacity to um, compete with the more traditional universities um, and um, yeah, I, I the, the the pool of academia was was quite strong, and and I went back into academia. So now you find yourself associated professor here in Qatar yeah. with um, Hamid bin Khalifa yeah. University. Yeah. What are you doing there? Um, I got a really amazing opportunity to start the first masters in sport and entertainment management in Qatar. Yeah. And this was in 2019. Um, I relocated August 2019, so it's a very new program. And um, it's, it's as I said, the first one in Qatar and the first uh, one of the few in the MENA region. Yeah. And um, 
we're in the College of um, Science and Engineering, which is also quite unique for a, for a sports masters. Um, and uh, we've into our second cohort now, about 10 students um, each year. So we're off to a good start, and it's a it's a joint degree with the University of South Carolina as well. Yeah, that's that that that's huge. How big do you think it's going to be here? I think it has a lot of potential. Um, you know, as we know, we're in a place that that loves sport. It, we have a thriving sports industry, and we need to uh, build the necessary capacity. So. It's really good in that we, uh, prior to the program, so we have an a, 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 a undergraduate program in sports science with a track in sports management at Qatar University, and there was never an opportunity for those students to study in their, in their own country. Now we have that. So I think, you know, in, so, so yes, we, we work closely with Qatar University in, in, in getting some of their students into our program, and I think we have a wonderful opportunity you know world cup is almost on us but then we have the asian games um coming up in 2030 and there's always these aspirations for in a future a, a future olympic games as well and it's not just the big events we're talking about grassroots sports we're talking about recreational sports um so yes i think there's amazing potential to grow this program you've just mentioned a few things there what does the masters cover yeah so it's a, it's it's a sport and entertainment management. Sport is very much of part course. of the entertainment yeah. industry, and it's to give um, to equip um, um, graduates with with a wide variety of multidisciplinary skills, uh, whether it's a sports finance, sports law. Uh, sport, uh, venue management, event management, yeah. um, but uh, so that the, so, so that they can have the necessary skills to work in a complex uh, global uh, sports industry, but at the same time uh, contributing to developing this the, the sports industry in Qatar. Yeah, and and what do you what type of is it just for people in Qatar? Or obviously it is, but. Could anybody come I, for this? I, I think in terms of where we are now, we probably may attract more people um, um, outside of the region and maybe further afield. We have very interestingly this year, we have an amazing young lady who's in our program from Ghana. Um, I think maybe one day you need to get on your show too. Yeah, definitely. Um, she, she just wrote the most amazing um um, sort of motivation and support letter in terms of her journey in sport and starting um, an, an, an academy um, and uh, she wanted to make a difference and, and, and study sport management um, uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll leave that so she can tell you a little bit more about that but I think yes we probably will start attracting people and at the, the moment because you never know where the, this podcast is going to go to a lot yeah. of our listeners are, is in the states yeah. so it's open yeah. to anybody if, if somebody wanted oh, to have a look oh absolutely and I think what what the wonderful thing is also for students in this region given that it's a joint degree with the University of South Carolina um, bar COVID they could go and actually do courses over there as well that's fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. and and w with it here so they could quite okay let's let's talk about the Q, uh, qf qatar foundation yeah for you as a as somebody relatively new to qatar 
What do you think to Katara Foundation? I was blown away when I came um, in terms of the approach to education and what's actually happening in Education City. And I think there's so much more room to grow that in terms of the collaboration of the universities. Um, but really, in terms of that significant and important role that education is, uh, um, uh, plays, um, it's, it's no way better illustrated than at uh, Qatar Foundation. It, it is breathtaking when you see the facilities, when you see what they're doing. It's you as a professor. This must be huge for you because it's all about the individual, right? And you're you're getting them to blossom. Yeah, and you and even more than that, I think we also quite blessed. I mean, us in academia, but more so me in sport management, to literally have a stadium in our backyard, oh. and the opportunities that can bring to students now and going forward in terms of living practical experiences um, that that stadium can offer. Uh, how would somebody, if some, that somebody's listening to this yes. now, how yes. would they take the first steps? Just go to your website. Absolutely, on the website. All the information is there and they can apply and um, yeah, can reach out to me as well. What we'll do is we'll, yep. we'll put all the websites and everything onto the video yep. so that everybody can see how to get in touch with you. Yep. Um, what's the, the next, I know that we've got this terrible period, which is the COVID. Yep. What, are, what are the great things that are on the horizon with you? Well, I think it has to be um, the 2022 FIFA World Cup Research Agenda. My legacy of 2010 lives on um, in that I see another wonderful opportunity to showcase what Qatar has, has achieved. Um, as I said, for any bidding city or host destination, there are challenges, and the media is going to highlight those challenges, but it's what do we do about them. Yes. And, um, and, and, and Qatar has, has risen to the challenge, and uh, we as academics need to reflect you know, on what has been um, what what has been experienced um, at all levels, you know, be it for the sports industry, be it just residents, uh, being be it the, the 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 new generation, the young sports people coming through. So there's 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 a lot of opportunities to capture what um, the, the legacy of the World Cup. What essentially. Do you, what do you think? To, what would you say to the doubters out there that says that oh Qatar, oh they got yeah yeah whatever. What the, how did they get that? What would yeah. you say to those doubters? I would say, look to the experience of South Africa. There were many doubters for South Africa too. Um, the crime situation, security concerns, um, the Afro pessimism in terms of oh, issues around poverty, HIV, AIDS, um, all the negative associations. But South Africa was able to turn that around in terms of positive images. And certainly, Qatar is on the road to do the same. And when people say it's going to be the best World Cup ever, I, I, they haven't got the, all those hurdles. They've just got to now fulfill. The place is fantastic. The facilities are wonderful. Everybody, including all the expats, are behind them. It's going to be a great World Cup. A, a fantastic opportunity for the Middle East. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, exactly. 
fantastic. And why not? For all those doubters out there, why shouldn't there be somebody to do this in the Middle East? It's, it's not a given that we're going to take it somewhere else. It's, it's here, come on. It brings, it, as we said, it's a great leveler. It's great, one of those. And, and the other thing about South Africa, and I think, and, and no doubt, I think Qatar is going to have a similar experience. And this was just based on a few students who came over from Germany. Um, but, but I get it, because people don't know what's here. And that's what the World Cup does until you get to that country they may have not have visited but because of the world cup they come to a destination and then they are exposed to what is actually easier and 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 and, 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 and that stops the negativity and the doubters dear me and, and just because we're i'm hoping that we are going to work together mm -hmm. um and because we talked about our stories especially yeah. for bringing students over yeah. we brought over um we brought uh, 25 students yeah. over from the uk yeah. it was one of the best experiences i've had in my life to yeah. hear these yeah. these yeah. these people that, that, that you hear the students um only hearing bad stuff yeah. And when they come in and absolutely and they say, this is just from a different planet. Yeah. This I just am absolutely I'm, I'm just in awe with the place. Yeah, that's the experiences. And that's what we've got to do more. We've got absolutely. to bring more people. And, you know, going back to those students, it was like, actually, I want to work here. Yeah. You know, not just come for the World Cup. I want to work here. I, yeah. I've got somebody in Dubai right now. His name is um, it, it'd be great to Connor. Um, and he came on that trip and he's begging, he's saying, come on, please, I, I want to come over, I want to yeah. get involved. Yeah. And I must have 10 other students yeah. from the course that are all dotted around, um, around the UK and Europe right now. And they're saying, Steve, when there's something comes up for the World Cup, please let me know, we're there. They've all got their masters and now they're get, they want to come here, they want to come back here. There's another opportunity that I should, when you ask me what's on the horizon, related to the um, 2022 research agenda, but also off the back of 20, uh, uh, 2022 FIFA World Cup, has created other opportunities. And for us as academia um, in sport management, we're actually going to be hosting the World Association of Sports <laughs> Management Conference in uh, March 2022. Throw um, that one away, because <laughs> that was one of my questions that I was going to bring up. So there again, not just um, you know for us for us as academics, but uh, um, students. There'll be opportunities for students to attend the conference as well. And the World Association of Sports Management is is a, a sort of a conglomerate of all the different continental sports um, associations. So the European Association of Sports Management, the North American Association of Sports Management, the Asian will all have representation at this conference, and we won the bid. You have been a special, special guest and everybody out there, if you're a student and you want to get involved in these programs, we're going to give you all the details so that you can get in touch. You are one special person and I wish you every success in the future and especially with all these things that you're going to be doing because they're big, massive milestones. Thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity and all those students, everyone who's interested, whether you're in the industry already or whether you're just starting your journey, or whether you want to change career paths into the sports industry, I'm 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 happy to to be at your service. Yeah, thank, oh, you. thank you so much, and thanks for everybody for listening today, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you go and make a comment, or you kind of give us a tick 
on our on your favourite podcast app. And please come back next week. We're going to have some really special guests coming up. But today was your day. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening. Please send us your feedback on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And don't forget to review us on your favourite podcast app.